1990, the internet as we know it was created. An invention of infinite possibilities and unknown potential. There are now over 2 billion websites currently in existence. A wealth of information, functionality, and social media. However, if you dig deeper, there lies more beneath the surface. The strange, bizarre, and dark corners of the net. Welcome to the Weird Wide Web. Welcome back to the Weird Wide Web with no technical issues at all. First recording, One Hit Wonders. We're here for a very special episode because we have a very special guest, Andrew Jewell, creator and curator of Strange Days, singer-songwriter of Small Drag, ufologist, a lot of hats. I have a couple a of hats. hats. Uh, I'm wearing one. I left the rest at home in my closet. But thank you. Super, super happy to be here. Um, yeah, I don't. That's that's quite the intro. I've happy never to been, have you. I've never been introduced with that much gusto. So thank you. I I'm, mean, it, it's all deserved. All deserved. And we brought you in here today because we have a great, great mystery on our hands. The most mysterious song on the internet. And with your illustrious musical knowledge and your investigative journalism pedigree we're here to solve it i'm here i'm yeah. happy to finally announce to the world that this is my song yep uh i wrote it when i i, I actually wrote it before i was born uh, a couple years oh, wow. before i was born uh some have called me a prodigy uh those are other people's words not mm. mine no, uh, of course but i'm here to stake my claim and to cash royalty checks you can send it make them out to andrew jewel that's j-u-h-l and please send them over and it was really great to be here thank you so much for having me it's been a great episode of weird wide web and what a humble creator of this illustrious song that has captivated the world and that is it you can contact us on instagram or youtube wherever you want spotify and that's weird wide web thank you for checking out my art i yeah, actually yeah. call it art people call it call a song but it's really it's art. beyond song yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's art. art because when we wrote it when i wrote it i mm -hmm. should say yeah soul creator yes it nobody was, else right it was more it was like i could put this into the world as a song that people might like mm -hmm. or i can put this into the world as a mystery, whoa! As the most mysterious song on the internet, and it's going to give people so much more than two minutes and fifty-three yeah. seconds of enjoyment. It's going to give people years of enjoyment, and then when the time is right, I will let them know, and they will bow down to me. And that time is now. That's amazing. It also negates the fact that you ever have to create an album. That's all right. you need. Oh is the yeah, one just song. the one. You don't have to. There's beyond that first song. There's nothing. No, that's it. It, it. But now I'm here to tell you, start listening to it backwards. Oh. Because there's more to unravel there. Mm -hmm. A lot of spooky things? Maybe. Maybe. I don't remember. <laughs> but It's been years yes. since you created it Long before time. your birth. So with that, let's get into the most mysterious song of the world. Let's. You know, um, first we're going to start off with just listening to the song, maybe getting content claimed but that would be a discovery of the song it would be or other I, people claiming it. I will split that lawsuit with you if we can figure this out. A little we bit of closure. This today. Just a yes. little bit of closure. That's all we want. So uh, DJ, spin that shit.
my god, the most mysterious song. Pretty there it is. Good. I I did try to Shazam it while we were listening to it, yes. and it does come up as uh, it actually apparently the version that we just listened to is the remastered version uh, of the most mysterious song tuned in the up world. A bit. It's I who yeah, um, and the artist was listed as um, what did it say here? The artist was listed as the very unknown band so hey you know what i had to try i had mm-hmm. to try to shazam it i we the, all did i mean we all did. who knows maybe one well, day it'll that, work that was the first thing i tried when researching this topic is of course simplest solution what do you want and we've talked about before it's like in this world of streaming and stuff like that there are incredible constraints on streaming copyright music and stuff like that and then you have these really advanced tools and we've even searched those and still nothing comes up nobody's claimed this song there is no originator of this song through like basic technology methods right through the inter- internet F- through the internet yeah which is who is also researching this right so with that we're just going to take you through the start and the discovery of this song and where we are now and all that fun stuff. So, the most mysterious song on the internet. In 2017, a 42-year-old Brazilian student named Gabriel de Silvia Vieira was introduced to a synth-pop song with dry vocals and vaguely familiar beat reminiscent of any number of 80s club songs. The song was introduced to Gabriel by a friend, Nicolas Zuniga, from a Spanish record label, Dead Wax Records. The curiosity instantly gripped Gabriel and plunged him into an exhausting search into the origin of what would become the most mysterious song on the internet. Gabriel quickly downloaded a clip from the song to his YouTube channel with the fitting title, The Most Mysterious Song on the Internet officially coining the name for the unknown song. Gabriel then moved his focus to continue the search on Reddit. He creates the username GabaGaskins and proceeds to make posts about the song on 44 separate subreddits, including r slash 80s, r slash name that song, and r slash unsolved mysteries. With little progress, Gabriel resorted to creating a subreddit dedicated solely to the song, r slash the mysterious song. He made a post called Unknown Song, parentheses, like the wind, investigation, which covered all the information he had collected up to this point, a post that would become the catalyst that ignites this endless investigation. A Reddit user, New Accounts, commented on Gabriel's post, having discovered more posts about the song on two other sites by Anton Rydell and a blue. The two sites were a German 80s site called bestof80s.de and a Canadian music site called spiritofradio.ca. Along with more clips of the song being obtained from these posts, the poster, Anton Rydell, explains that it was probably recorded off a show on NDR2 called Music for Junga Luta, or Music for Young People, broadcast on the local station Bremen 4. New accounts would also discover the DJ that hosted the show at the time of recording, a British radio presenter named Paul Bakersfield. 
Armed with this information, Gabriel searched and discovered Paul Bakersfield on Facebook. He reached out, desperate for answers. Paul did respond, but unfortunately had no recollection of the song itself. Fucking Paul. He's a real motherfucker, you know? Just remember, I know it was in the 80s, but come on. I sometimes forget what I had for lunch on Monday, but come on, Paul. He blew it. He really did. He could have just ended this in literally a heartbeat. Paul then pointed to Gabriel in the direction of a woman named Baraball, who supposedly archived all of Baskerville's shows. Again, no answers were uncovered, as Baraball also had no recollection of the song. Another person that dropped the ball. The Baraball. They dropped the Baraball. Nice. Yeah. Paul Bakersfield did promise to play an excerpt from the piece on his current radio show to provide the song more exposure and hopefully discover its origin. After returning from vacation, Paul held his promise and played the clip. He played a clip of the mysterious song on his current radio show, Knocked Club. The response from his listeners was somewhat negative, with a few suggesting he never played the song at all. New leads were discovered by a Discord user, Litronome, who had found an old interview with Paul Bakersfield in which he discussed his method of finding new music. In the interview, Paul discussed that he sourced most of his music from indie record shops like Unturum Durchschnitt, a fact that leads to the assumption the song must have been pressed on vinyl, a complicated process, especially at the time. Around the same time, multiple online investigators who had looked into the mystery back in 2007 would rediscover the search and provide everyone with complete recordings of the song. Determined to leave no stone unturned, the passionate investigators pushed on. A Reddit user, Emiliano9810, discovered a promising resource to unearth the origin of the mysterious tune. They found the Gemma public archives run by the german music society i'm so sorry germans gesellschaft für musikliche aufrungs und mechanische wirkungsstruktur i i literally have no idea that wasn't great word. but i don't think anybody has to apologize to the germans <laughs> ever again it's there's a there's a decades long past yeah yeah, yeah we're fair. still it's still in effect it's still a sore subject got it an organization that archives all the music played on German radio stations since its establishment in 1933. Emiliano9810 reached out and eagerly awaited for a response from the organization. With the search sweeping across the online world and slowly seeping into the public, another German radio station picked up the hunt, a show called Radio Eins. Along with airing the clip from the song, the show also interviewed Paul. The interview itself did not provide any information. It did catch the ear of a man named Darius. It means nothing. The name means nothing to you. Or most people, I would say. I did exactly five minutes of research before I got here, so how dare you? <laughs> I know exactly who Darius is, and I know what you're going to say next, but I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. That would be a shame if we spoiled anything. So let's dive into who Darius and Lydia are. Around 1.15 p.m. on the day of the broadcast, after returning from work, Darius decided to throw on Radio Lions. As luck would have it, 
Darius would catch the interview's broadcast with Paul and the clip of the mysterious song. Darius instantly recognized the sounds of the bizarre funk hit and proceeded to call his sister Lydia immediately. The two listened in shock as they hear the familiar post-punk chords of a song Darius had recorded from a radio broadcast in the early 80s. Mic drop. Wow. Insane. So we're going to get to the end of this mystery right here with Darius, right? He's gonna... I mean, we're just a couple of paragraphs away from solving it. Awesome. Isn't it great? Just wrap it right up. At 14, a young Darius frequently recorded songs from his favorite German radio broadcasts, such as Music for Junge Luther. Darius would record the mysterious song while curating tape number four in 1985. Having missed the title and artist for that specific song, he titled it Life Turns Inside Out on the track list. Soon, Darius compiled a playlist including all the songs he had recorded and could not ad- identify, calling it Unknown Pleasures. Life nice turns- Joy Division joke, Darius, you nerd. <laughs> when... When did Joy Division start? Uh, before this time, before before the eighties, they uh, Unknown Pleasures came out in nineteen uh, nine. The year of our Lord nineteen seventy nine is when Unknown Pleasures. The came year out. of our Lord nineteen seventy nine. Darius, come on, be a little original. Just stealing those playlist names. I didn't know that at all. Life turns inside out. Lay unknown amongst this list for years. Then, in 2004, Darius would go on to digitize his entire Unknown Pleasures playlist. This same year, Lydia gifted him a website domain for his birthday. Darius promptly built a website to host his total Unknown Pleasures playlist with download links to all the songs in hopes of raising awareness and identifying these mysterious tracks. We're so close. We're almost there. A couple paragraphs away. I promise you. Cut just a few. We're almost there. This likely being the first place online the most mysterious song ever existed. Over the years, a handful of songs on the list were identified. However, through the years, the most mysterious song remained ever elusive. In 2007, Lydia decided to help with the identification of the mysterious song. She found two websites that fit the feel and theme of the mysterious song and posted a short clip to them. What were they? Those websites were bestof80s.de what? and spiritofradio.ca. cow. Posting under the aliases Blue with three U's and Anton Rydell. People are gasping right now. I, would, I believe in my mind, not only have they paused the podcast, they've pulled over to the side of the road. They've swerved into oncoming they've traffic. Got, they've got to process this fucking reveal. They're, they were trying to actually stop the show, and their phone slid between the seat and the middle the thing. The worst place. They to tried be. to reach for it, and they swerved in oncoming traffic. And in some sense, the show did stop for them. It did. It did. And we will remember them at the end of the podcast. But, man, we're just a few paragraphs away from revealing what the song is. I swear. Definitely not a lie. Back in 2019, the ancient past at this point. We've gone through so much. As a world, we've gone through so much at this point since 2019. That's true. After hearing the song again on the radio, Lydia decided to dive back into the search. She soon discovered Gabriel and reached out to him via messenger. 
in which she revealed that she was, in fact, Blue and Anton Rydell. She provided pictures of the original cassette tape and a track list as proof. Gabriel posted this discovery into the Mysterious Song subreddit, however many users were skeptical, having been burned by trolls before. They're going to burn you. Trolls, that, they love burning. They love, they love roasting and burning. And chaos. And chaos. Yeah. They're kind of the worst. But provide me with a lot of content. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> so it's really a love-hate relationship that mm, I got to keep going. To help prove the validity of her identity, Lydia proceeded to make a Reddit account and posted an in-depth comment explaining her identity and promising to keep in contact. On top of that, to pervert further solidify her legitimacy, she logged into her long-dormant Blue account and responded to a private message. Over the following months, she, would, she went on to divulge many details and help to further the search. Lydia described the tracklist as much as she was able to. She explained Darius's method and equipment f- used for recording, as well as the methods Darius used to digitize all the songs. Eventually, Lydia and Darius would go ahead and fully digitize tape 4 for the internet. Everything that could be analyzed was laid out for the world, yet the song's true origins remained frustratingly unknown. Well, I imagine that when this kid Darius was in his bedroom with his like boombox, his 80s boombox, and he was recording from the radio to tape, which is something that I sadly remember in mm-hmm. my lifetime, it was like his mom was like yelling at him like, Darius, are you coming down for dinner? And he was like, Mom, like I'm, I'll be the, right there. Jeez. And he missed. He didn't hit record and play at the same time enough to get the yeah. intro to the song and that's why time. we don't have the complete song so you're saying we should blame this whole mystery on darius's I parents i think that there's something to be said about helicopter parenting yeah. that it clearly kind of had an effect here it's so it seems let pretty listen. obvious let him yeah. listen let him listen let him pay full attention to what's going on but in the recording. you know that dj paul isn't so innocent either like no, or Come his on. assistant Bearball, who supposedly archived everything. Yeah, or the fucking ger- Gemma. Gemma, who is like, yeah, we uh, we uh, are archiving every song that's it's... ever played on the radio. Parentheses mostly. Mostly, they they are still searching because they're like, our whole thing is that we archive everything and we can't find this. So they're like, we're gonna find this, guys. Nothing. Still nothing. This giant organization for archiving has not archived this song. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I. It seems like when you think a country like Germany has let you down the most they could ever let you down, <laughs> then the, this more happened. so. Yeah, but this is the biggest letdown Germany has given you. Is the I fact mean, that they can't identify the song? I, you know, I. Pre- I'll commit this, to that. I'll commit to, to this. Statement. You know, there wasn't. I've never been personally attacked or felt personally uh-huh. attacked by Germany up until now. But I understand there are other people who have had different experiences. That's that, fair. That's yeah. fair. I'm gonna go ahead and say, what a letdown! What a letdown! <laughs> what a letdown! This spark of information did go on to launch an explosion of media coverage. From online blogs to newspapers and magazines, everyone was captivated by this mysterious post-punk song. And now we're going to fucking solve it. Two paragraphs away, at minimum. 
It even caught the attention of the Rolling Stone and earned an article by journalist David Brown. Not the band, the magazine. No, not the band David Brown. No. The magazine <laughs> David Brown. Yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Perfect. I just want to clarify that. Yes. Along with the public awareness, Gemma was once again reached out to by the online investigating body. Through this second exchange, we learn that the online archive they are hosting is not the entirety of what they have stored, merely what's been uploaded to that point. Reddit user Which was like, what, five songs or something? Like they, they it was like, you know, 10, 10, 15 songs. They're like, not there. Not there. Guess we'll email them. So it's a physical archive somewhere that they have someone digging through tapes? Totally. 100%. It's a physical <sighs> archive that they have somewhere. This Reddit like, user. Ah, sorry. No, no. <laughs> what are you thinking? I just am thinking about how they're never going to fucking find the song because that's the worst. It is 2021. If there's mm. someone in a warehouse looking at physical tapes and it's every song that's been played on German radio since 1933. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. They're never going to find it. And also. Literally never. This Gemini organization. I don't want to besmirch them, but come on. That just doesn't we know seem the year. useful. If you have, it's just like what we saved all of this data. Yeah, but it's not organized or accessible in any way. <laughs> this is kind of thrown in a room. <laughs> What's the point of it? I what what did they picture with? Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> the Gemma hate is real. I get it. Listen. They have provided nothing. The Many people have reached out to them beyond the online archives that they show and stuff like that, and they have not been able to match up any of this mysterious song to anything they have in that year, in that 1984 kind of timeline. Okay, okay. So they're, okay, that makes... They've tried. And they're like, they like their statement is, our goal is like, archivism <laughs> we're so ashamed that we can't find yeah, it if it's not accessible then what it's not working no. i would say i'm not real i mean it's as it listen i didn't even know i didn't even know that like these type of organizations existed they literally just kept track of everything that was played and that's great i mean there's a good there are a few years in there where they probably need to destroy the tapes for i would gonna say around the early 1940s they're probably things that don't need to be archived but just not like a, a lot of not good artists you think? <laughs> yes yeah, exactly yeah, ba- musically bad but it, i i do want to say so far i'm keeping a list here on my notepad mm. so, notepad so far people whose fault this is mm. i gemma's number one gemma's number one and gemma's number one I, yeah number two and three and four or, or number two and three and four it's probably paul it's, it's well it's rotating between paul and Darius and Lydia, Paul is number one, and then Paul's assistant doesn't even get to make the list yeah. because they seem useless. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna make a case for Darius and Lydia. One, Lydia, younger sister. Two, Darius at the time, fourteen. I'm gonna okay. absolve him. He's a child. That's okay. a child at the so, time. So far, so it's, it's Paul's Gemma fault. And Paul. yeah. <laughs> it's it's Gemma and Paul. <laughs> Let's continue. Through the many years of research into the mysterious song, a comic suggestion has repeatedly popped up. A post-punk band formed in the early 80s called Statues in Motion. It has been brought up a few times by Reddit investigators and was even suggested in a comment on the original post by Lydia. Formed in the early 80s, the band's sound is eerily similar to that of the mysterious song. 
and even more convincing is the similarities between both vocalists. Excited about a hot new lead, many online researchers eagerly sought out original members in the hopes of bringing this mystery to a close. And now we're going to take a moment. I'm going to play you Statues in Motion. Yeah, let's hear them. And you'll hear and make your own assessment of, is this the you know stepping stone of where this song originates from? All right, we'll see. sound so similar <laughs> they do sound they do sound similar the instrumentation sounds similar like you said earlier it's this generic 80s post-punky new wave like this is what's cool like this is on like if i went to a house party in brooklyn and there was a playlist on and it was like new order radio on spotify it would play new order and it would play depeche mode and then this song would come on and yeah some i i would ask someone who it is and they would pretend to know and they'd be like oh this is this great band you don't know this band they're so great and then i'd be like who is it and they wouldn't be able to tell me because no one knows but no one knows. it does sound like yeah it sounds like background music. it sounds like yeah. that and so does the mysterious band the most mysterious song rather so yeah. i can see them both being they're comparable for sure totally. especially the vocals a big point people make between the two that seems to differentiate them is the fact that statues in motion seem to use a very much more drum machine driven kind of music whereas the most mysterious song seems very much more actual instrument application okay yeah i guess i can hear that i mean Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i can hear that sure no i don't i yes that that seems like a fair they do sound very similar they they do sound similar but and and there's probably there are probably an endless amount of songs that we could add to this conversation that also sounds similar totally. that are neither of these. The subreddit has suggestions of different old school eighties bands every day. You know, it's like there, it's a song that man just fucking rides the middle of like sound. And there is no like key key defining factor of like, Oh shit. This song was definitely sung by this person or this song definitely right. used. This is this instrument yeah it's like all that. very it's like all very vanilla in a way there's nothing that makes it st- for both of the for both statues in motion and for the most mysterious song on the internet it's not like because when you hear a song like going back to joy division who i actually do really love when you hear a joy division song you know ian curtis's vocals immediately if you took ian curtis's vocals out and you played joy division music i maybe not as many people would recognize it right away, but Ian Curtis is like what makes that stand out. But this, 
the most mysterious song nor statues in motion really have that it's just sort of like yeah it's i hate to use the word mediocre but it's sort of just mediocre yeah it's run of the mill it's something it is truly background music but let's get into who statues in motion is statues in motion was composed of george delambriras going by alvin dean providing the vocals and various instruments vasilis Pelikistos, going by Billy Knight, also providing multiple instruments, and Elias Mistakis, going by Elia Kane, providing lyrics and management for the band. The band burned extraordinarily quickly. In, where were these? Where were these guys from? They're Greek. Okay. Yeah, Got yeah. It. This is kind of entering the Greek realm of who this song may be from. Got it. Okay. Which I mean. I think we mentioned it earlier, but yeah, there's a whole section of people just analyzing the lyrics of this song because one, they're kind of hard to exactly pinpoint what the lyrics are of the most mysterious song of the most mysterious song. And right. it gives you that maybe it's somebody who English isn't their first language. Definitely. And they're like emulating what these pop songs are they the like English pop songs of the eighties sound like and stuff like that. Absolutely. I can see that. And statues in motion sounds the same. It sounds like someone, it sounds like a Greek guy who's singing in English. So I, I can totally see why people made that correlation. Yeah. And people are still analyzing lyrics to this day to figure out the like meeting. And maybe that'll step us closer to where this song is from. They swiftly signed to the record label Mastas to record their first album then promptly disbanded after its completion due to the financial arguments and other problems. Yeah, financial arguments because the one dude was the, he only wrote the lyrics and was the manager and didn't do anything else and was probably fucking putting that money right into his pocket. An old dude on the guitar wasn't getting a damn thing. Yeah, the other two people who played various instruments. <laughs> right, they're like, uh, yeah, they probably... Basically, get... everything else. <laughs> everything else, he, yes. he rhymed some words and was the manager, and that was it. Well, I mean, sounds like he was smarter than the rest of them in a way, but <laughs> I imagine that that's where the financial trouble stemmed from. I don't know. I'm it speculating. makes sense. I'm speculating. Yeah, the three people that made a band as kids makes sense. From there, little can be found about the majority of the members except for Billy Knight, who was promptly reached out to by various online researchers. In the first couple of interactions between researchers and Billy, he apologizes but explains that while he was in Statues in Motion, they were not the creators of the song. God damn it, Billy. You just made the list. You just yeah. made the list of people who I'm disappointed in in is this story. Is he number three or number four? He's now going to be... All right, I'm going to say Gemma is number one, Paul is number two, and then Billy is three, and Lydia and Darius are... Ta are they're, I'm going to count them as one, and they're currently four, only they're because they were four. children. That's fair. However, as more people reached out, he started to change his tune claiming that they were the music originators, specifically that Alvin made it. He would then later change key again. Do you get paid by the pun on this show? I'm glad you noticed. Uh, very happy when I wrote those. Claiming they both were the creators of the song, declaring it was left off the record and was one of three excluded songs from the album, which he would then later contradict Again, in another interview, claiming that it was, in fact, one of five excluded songs. 
ultimately, the strongest case against Billy Knight's claim to the song was his insistence on the synth used in the music, suggesting they used a Yamaha synth. While it has been proven without a shadow of a doubt, the mysterious song uses a DX7 synth. You gotta love internet nerds in 2021 who figured that out. Oh yeah, I mean, this song has been spectral analyzed beginning to end. Everybody has like broken this song down as much as they could. And there was one user who owns this DX7 who repeated the chords on video from bass sounds and it matched the song. Like it is guaranteed the synth used on this song was a DX7. That's an amazing Venn diagram of dorkiness. It's like an internet (laughs) sleuth on Reddit, Mm -hmm. an analog synth sleuth on Reddit. Yep. And like an audio engineer, hi-fi sounds nerd on all Reddit. coming together to kind of narrow down where this song is from yeah i i <laughs> i mean not the most helpful detail but not it unhelpful. certainly narrows it but it doesn't it definitely doesn't solve it but that's why we're here because we're about to solve it here in, in it, t- three three to four more paragraphs right, definitely keep going definitely three to four more paragraphs further researchers still point out that while similar sounding, the mysterious song used real drums and more guitar-driven sound, while statues in motion are primarily synth and drum machine focused. That being said, the vocals remain undeniably similar. With that, the search continues, focusing on finding Alvin Dean, a task that would prove just as complex as searching for the song itself. All right, before we get into Alvin Dean, I do want to say one thing that I have been thinking about, and I think now is the time to bring it up, is with The Most Mysterious Song, you have drums, you have guitar, yep. you have vocals, you have bass, mm-hmm. and maybe two, or sorry, maybe two guitar tracks. So you ha- Oh, synth. And in, in, in synth. So you have yeah. drums, bass, synth, two guitar tracks, and vocals, so, and, and then backing vocals. But w- let's just assume... Two things. So that's seven tracks. Let's assume both vocal tracks were done by the same person. They were harmonizing with themselves. So that takes it down to six. And both guitar tracks were done by the same guitarist. So that takes it down to five. Now, let's say that the bassist also did the synth part. So that takes it down to four plus the audio engineer who recorded the song. So there are five people you can, I mean, unless, unless. It was one musician who did all of these things, which it very, very well could have been. But it may be. But, I mean, we know for sure DX7 was the synth used. For sure. That is one thing in this mystery. The, the nerds have proven it. Right. For sure. At the time, in the 80s, the DX7, very expensive synth. So that rules out a lot, you know? I, I think that rules out... It doesn't rule out the solo act... But I think it rules out the unknown solo act. I think um, it's somebody with money or, if it's yeah, solo. Or, you know? yes, unless, um, yes, probably someone with money either way. Because maybe when you go and record music in a studio, they usually have really nice instruments and equipment for you can you can for you to use while yeah. you record. Like typically stuff that's 
nicer or at least different than like the normal stuff that you play with because you get different sounds out of different things. So maybe the studio where they recorded it had the DX7 there and it wasn't the band, but they were just like, oh, this is great. We should use this. Like maybe they had something that was less nice. But yeah, I mean, unless... I feel like I still... I mean, I'm completely unknowledgeable in the music realm. That's why we have you here. But I feel like still at that time, even... Studio time is expensive. It still costs money. Yes. It still costs it money. It still costs money. That's something so, you're paying for. 100%. You're paying for it for sure. Especially in, I mean, we don't know where this track came from, but like if in in the 80s in a smaller European town, whether it be in Germany or Greece or even England, like that stuff costs money and was probably more expensive even than doing it in like New York City or Los Angeles or something because oh. it was like probably few more few and far between there. But back to this, so you have to safely assume that there were at least four musicians and one audio engineer that were involved in this. Where are these people? Where are they? they like, I mean, this they, is pretty widespread at this point. You it's know, like to think that none of these people have been able to be tracked down. Now, I'm not expecting this dude who was an audio engineer in, in Germany or Greece in the 80s. Hmm to have stumbled upon the subreddit for this, but it seems like there would be some sort of trail. A friend that, of a friend that would lead him to them it or back, something. Like, or at least identify the song, if not the... Like, yeah. it just seems wild that, that... At this point in our timeline, like, it has been played on so many radio shows and written up about. So many YouTubers have covered it, like Wang and stuff like that. Like, it has exposure. The song has exposure. The mystery has exposure. You'd think somebody would have come forward. Even like a, a record nerd, because there are so many people out there who collect obscure records that yeah. you and I have never heard of, nor would we ever, if we came across it in a bin, like we wouldn't even wouldn't pick even it recognize. up. Yeah. But it might be something that to someone is like, whoa, this is really obscure and really rare and worth mm-hmm. having in their collection. Like, the fact that no one has said like, oh, I know this. I had this tape in the 80s or I had this like seven inch single in the 80s or like I saw this band play at a fucking club like opening up for, you know, whomever. And it's just it's just wild that it's like the rabbit hole has gotten this deep and there. I don't know. You talking about the members of Statues in Motion. I know we have to get back to who Elvin was, but it just made me think about like, yeah, there were at least four to eight people in the room when this song was recorded. Yeah. But they have not been tracked down. It's pretty interesting. Which we'll touch on when we get to where we are currently and some of the theories, because I think there's one really solid theory that I think absolves this thought process that you're going through right now a lot. But we'll get to that later. Right now, we're going to explore Alvin Dean. After Statues in Motion disbanded, Alvin Dean seemingly disappeared from the music scene and the world altogether. Billy Knight claims that Alvin had moved back with his parents, come on hard times, or subsequently passed away, depending on which statement of his you read. In response... He's got a lot of statements, huh? And they all... Boy, oh boy, are they all changing. Literally, whoever contacts him, what year you contact him, it could change. It's really reliable is what i'm saying never trust someone named billy especially if it's not even their name especially if it's not even the real (laughs) in a response from jim and nemis the record label that re-released the statues in motion singular album they mentioned george 
or Alvin not being among us anymore. This, according to them, is based on Billy Knight's claims, however. Then, a demo from 1984, which included Alvin Dean, was uncovered and posted online by YouTuber N. Sinita. The demo was a collaboration with another Greek artist by the name of Yanis Beltekas. I'm butchering all these Greek names, but it's just going to happen. It's we're going to let it slide. And I'm going to play I'm going to play that that little demo that's going on right now with Alvin and Yanis. I just I think it's just interesting to hear. This is called Ghost. Is it is it spooky? It's off the demo. It's kind of spooky. It's Greek spooky. out for real but this does not sound too dissimilar than an op1 patrick song (laughs) i mean i'd love to leave it in okay because well mainly because literally nobody except for like four people will get that but yeah no it's but man alvin i think he's got an amazing voice he he's he's crooning yeah He's, he's really going for it but it is again very clearly, um, he's singing in a language that's not his yeah, native tongue. Exactly. That English singing from a Greek singer is its distinct. It's noticeable. We, as well as many other online sleuths, reached out to Giannis in hopes of inching one step closer to who and where Alvin was all in the hopes of finally unlocking the origin of the mysterious song. Giannis was quick to respond and couldn't have been more pleasant. Giannis said he had sent the demo recording and the photo of Alvin that shows on during the YouTube video to Encinita. He also revealed that the recording was part of a longer 11-minute demo he and Alvin had recorded, though unfortunately... It was never released due to it not being able to find a label that would release it. Giannis stated he had only known Alvin's involvement with Statues in Motion, and because of poor experiences with the keyboardist, Alvin had left. He did say that though not having spoken to Alvin since, he believed Alvin, or George, to be alive and doing well, and simply did not want to be found. Giannis added that the reasons he believed this, he wished to keep private at this time. Giannis also did state that while similar, he did not think that Alvin and the singer of the mysterious song were the same. 
This, of course, only stokes the fire to seemingly never-ending mystery. Wait, so you communicated with this guy? Yeah, I emailed Giannis trying to find any kind of like link to where Alvin was. Because in my mind, I, I think... I don't know. I think he's the the stepping stone to getting closer to where the song is from. Interesting. But he seems, who knows, maybe like mental issues or family issues. He wants to remain unknown at this point. Sure. But I I really would love to hear the rest of that 11-minute demo that Giannis and Alvin made. Yeah, that it's so it's funny good, to think about. Good sound. It it is a good sound. It's very cool. And it's very funny to think about that these dudes probably, I mean, that the date on that said 1984. They mm-hmm. recorded this demo in 1984. They tried to get someone to release it. No one wanted to release it. And then this guy, all of a sudden, people start emailing him and are interested in the music that he recorded thirty over 35 years ago. And, and to think that, like, that must have been a weird experience for him to be like, okay, sure, I guess I can send you this, like, demo that i made 35 37 years ago like i guess what's funny is that in researching this guy Giannis, he had released a bunch of other music he had had many other kind of like careers and bands and stuff like that beyond alvin and all that and he had actually gone through his own instance of people thinking he was dead Uh. and him reaching out like (laughs) totally unrelated to the mysterious song for some reason, like the Greek, they thought he was dead. And people finally reach out to him, and he's like, "Nope, just not making music anymore. Not, I'm alive, not dead yet, <laughs> not dead yet, not that old, guys." Wow. Yeah. So he went through this whole thing, and all of that brings us to like where we are currently with the search for the song. So as it stands today, the song is still currently unknown. Whoops, didn't solve it. Sorry, guys. Uh, what the. Though the interest and commitment, especially from the members of the Mysterious Song subreddit and Lydia and Darius, is ever persistent. This takes us to the current working theories, present research work, and false claims. While most researchers and interested parties are currently scouring the NDR, the radio company that hosted the radio shows uh, during recording, track lists month by month, Trying to match to Darius and Lydia's mixtape tracklist and even solving other lost songs. Unsurprisingly, many others, like Billy Knight, have been attempting to lay claim to the mysterious piece. Uh, yeah, so NDR, at this current moment, slowly are like digitizing and giving the subreddit members lists year, uh, I think they're month by month. Uh, of everything that was played on the radio station. Okay. So all these members have been going through it and matching up. Like they have the track list for four and like seeing going month by month and day by day of like all these songs match up that he could have recorded on the same day, but we're missing this, this, and this. All these songs match up. So it's like a slow process, but it's pretty promising because now that has moved us into... We kind of know at this point, music for Yungaluta probably wasn't the actual show. NDR uh. seems like it was the place, but there's kind of two other radio programs on that station that could have been played that Darius was listening to when he wasn't supposed to be up. So is Paul off the hook? 
Paul was also the DJ of some of these shows. Yeah, I fucking knew it. <laughs> I fucking knew it. One such culprit attempting to lay claim to the song is a musician named Eris Avaginos. They claim that the mysterious song was, in fact, only one of four versions of the song named Excommunication. He goes on to state that the songs were a collaboration between Blue Light, his band, Villa 21, and another group called The Mushrooms. All actual bands and all of Greek origin. When pressed for proof of this claim, Eris produced a photo of the cassette tape the songs were recorded on. A tape that was quickly discovered to have been created at the earliest in 1987. Not the song, dude. Not cool. Not cool. So many false claims. Another disputed claim to the creation of this perplexing jam is an artist musician named Ronnie Irachel, or his preferred name, Ronnie Rocket. Oh, fucking Ronnie Rocket is in this story? Fucking Ronnie Rocket. Ronnie Rocket has currently filed a copyright claim in Austria to the rights of the mysterious song. While not clear of the specifics of the copyright laws in Austria, it seems only proof of name or pseudonym attached to the original work in question needs to be provided. Evidence, which to this point has not been offered publicly to the world by Rocket, the researchers who have been in contact with Ronnie Rocket have been provided with a singer who Ronnie claims to be the singer of the mysterious song. Though, to say the two sounds alike, is flimsy at best. So he's just like, they're like, you got to show us some proof that you're staking claim to the song. And he's like, he's like this is Fuck the guy. You. I'm Ronnie Rocket. Yeah, pretty much. The, there's some transcripts of like his contact with people in discords and stuff like that. And he like very, sp- all of his writing is very spaced out. There's a lot of emojis. He's an exciting guy. It's fucking Ronnie Rocket. Ronnie Rocket. I mean, who are you going to say? Furthermore, Darius dug up an article that talks about Ronnie when he was a part of a previous band. The article explains the band had seen moderate success until it was discovered that all of their songs were not originals as they claimed, further weakening Ronnie's claim to the mysterious song. So he was already a part of a band that, like, got flagged for plagiarism. Plagiarism, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so it's not... It's not a good point to, to Listen, be going in for a copyright claim. When you're playing with Ronnie Rocket, you might get burned. I think that that is something that everybody going into business with him has to be aware of just based on his name. The last point of contention being Ronnie Rocket also adamantly claims that the mysterious song includes saxophone. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have to give it another. Listen, I'm a very sin. untrained musician. Uh, I don't think I heard a fucking peep of saxophone. I will in the have to song. give it another listen. <laughs> he is very adamant about that. Huh. And now we're gonna get into the most exciting kind of current theory. It's not widely accepted, but for me. I, I think it makes the most sense as to why, like, we have not been able to identify the song since the fucking 80s. You know, like, you think even with everything, somebody fucking remembers the song. You know, this is the this is the theory that I latch on to. 
A new theory has relatively recently been proposed about the origin and reason behind the mysterious song. That is the theory of popcorns or popcorns. Popcorns is a university class available during the currently believed time of recording that takes students through the various stages of song creation. Students learn about songwriting, music theory, music production. They are taught about GEMA promotion and even contract laws, all creating music and pop radio hits. These courses would give radio airtime provided by NDR to these student-created songs. The theory sits quite well, as all the students, being musician majors, would be very talented. They would have access to good and more expensive instruments, such as the pricey DX7. There would be little to no track information about these songs, as they were student projects, as well as they would be composed to emulate pop rock of '84. Researchers are currently in a holding pattern to pursue more research due to the global pandemic. Though when things begin to open back up, university archives can be accessed and searched. Putting this enticing theory in a frustrating holding pattern for now. That is very interesting. Yeah. So there were the whole, there were these whole university classes that were basically like, let's make a pop hit. Right. Let's emanate exactly what's like just literally black background music. Right. Let's emanate background pop music of the time. Wild. And that would make sense why Paul didn't remember it. And why, man, that's really, really interesting that yeah. a bunch of musicians who were getting their master's degree came together to make a fucking mediocre song <laughs> that no one ever remembered and is yeah. the most forgettable song from 1984. It Literally, yeah. It, it makes, in my mind, that makes the most sense, that it's a, a literal student project that most of them forgot because... It sounds like everything they were trying to complete their final and the fucking literally the fucking radio station that is the source of all of this recording sponsors. They gave them airtime. They gave them airtime. Yeah, that's and and I wonder if people who collaborated on that track would have even cared to take the time to listen to the final track. No. Do you know what I mean? Like if yeah. someone laid down like a drum track or, or a bass track they're not going to wait around if they're in school and they're getting their masters whatever they're not going to wait around until like the fucking guitarist or the synth player show up they're just going to go to their next class and they maybe never layer. even heard the final song so they wouldn't even recognize it maybe no. maybe fucking alvin dean went to one of these schools you know it's like May oh interesting it, where is that um those courses were were at they, multiple schools? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were offered at multiple schools around the area of when where NDR played, as well as, like, Greek institutes and stuff like that. Like, huh. it was at the time, because there was no online courses or production or stuff like that, it was, like, a more encompassing class to, like, prepare you for the pop rock world. That's wild. That's a very good theory. Yeah, of of all the things that we've talked about, that definitely seems to be the one that holds the most water. But it could be almost anything. I mean, it, there's a lot of theories. I I've even stumbled across theories of people proposing that it's a song from another dimension. Uh, that I like that one. Through the slipstream, I thought you would. Uh, funny enough, not a lot of proof behind that one. I listen, not a but lot hey, of proof behind a lot could of just things. Be, 
hopefully one of the other dimension artists slips through and lays claim to it at this point (laughs) you know it makes me think of um, imagine when um when you're walking in manhattan and you're walking like near times square or soho or something heavily uh areas heavily populated by tourists and there are like people who hand out like their mixtapes like they're hot oh this is fucking hot this is my new mixtape it's like a cdr and the dude hands it to you and you're like oh thanks and he's like yo that's fucking two hundred dollars and you're like what you just put it in my hand and he's like yeah give me my and you're like no i don't want it anymore but like think about like if it was just something like that like someone's demo tape if it wasn't the the pop course it was like someone's Mm. demo tape they fucking hand it to some dude it maybe wasn't even paul or some woman who worked at the radio station it ends up in a stack somewhere and then it ends up being played on a show and then forgotten about and then like literally like the only place that ever existed were like a hundred cassette tapes that this person dubbed themselves. And then it was never widely released. It could be, I mean, it could be something like that as well. It could be. And listen, it, this was a song. We were pretty confident. This was created early eighties. That's a long time ago. I've got terrible memory. Literally. If I didn't write anything down, this would be an hour of silence on this podcast. But you think an artist would at least they'd hear it and they go, shit, I, I, laid those guitar you, riffs down yeah i mean you, know? you would you would think but we're kind of nerds i mean we're you and i aren't nerds who could tell you the exact model of synth that we're using the song but we are nerds and i think that there are people who don't even know about the greatest mystery of our time which is the most it is the greatest mystery on the internet it's so. been going on for literal decades i has anyone sent it into unsolved mysteries oh I don't think so. Maybe they could help us get to <laughs> the bottom of it. That would be great because th- it's infuriating. There, man, the subreddit subreddit is so dedicated. I mean, they release like weekly updates of who's searching what, where they are in those searches, what are the possible outcomes. I there, I truly give all credit to all the information that i've researched on this to that subreddit because it is man these people are fucking dedicated yo thanks for the podcast content suckers <laughs> sorry i'm just trying to niles usually has like some really good yeah he, he gets really the jabs in there and i real hard i'm just trying to hold i don't know him but i imagine <laughs> this, that's what he would have said make some off canny joke we haven't even mentioned the summer of 84 movie yet right uh i'm sure there was a reference to this song in there somewhere uh, but yeah it's at this point i guess just trying to raise even more exposure to the song because man it's infuriating <laughs> i want to know who it was there has to be something there has to be something let me ask you a question yeah uh you know i'm really into in, really into uh, ufology. Yeah. So it was a big week for that, sort of. Huge. Big lead up to a whatever week. Mm-hmm. Right now, if you could get an email that had the answers about UFOs and UAPs mm-hmm. or the answer about the most mysterious song on the internet and you only get to open one of them, which one are you opening? I can't wait to know who made this song. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you. Because the ufology aspect of it is so like that opens so many like a huge can of worms you want I don't something wanna, more I, you want to you want something oh that's man i'm more just like oh that's who made that song yes. dope moving on oh, if i understand like the 
aspect of ufology that opens up so much that I'm like, we're not alone in the world. Oh God. So many existential questions. I don't need that. That's too much stress. I just like to know who played the song. <laughs> That's the That's realm fair. I'm working. I, in. <laughs> I, I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. And I think you will live a very sane and happy life. And an I, will be, life. I will continue to be jealous life. of it as I, I don't see that unknown to my life. Yeah. Yeah. No, no one does. And, uh, yeah, you mean there's people smart... smarter than me? No, I don't need that. No, I just want to know who made this post-punk song. Yeah. Well, when I leave here and Dorpheus docks, knocks on your door and uh, it, it yeah. hands you the envelope that tells you who just, you don't have to tell me, but I will be happy to know that, you know, yeah. Blue pill it all the way. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. I don't blame you. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you oh. and your weird paranormal magazine? Oh, thanks. Yeah. It was my pleasure. Um, you, uh, the zine is called strange days. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Strange Days Zine. That's Strange Days Z I N E. Uh, we have a Patreon, also Strange Days Zine. We release um, like a monthly podcast on there called The Strange Dispatch, where we st- talk about the stuff in the zine, which ranges from folklore, mythology, uh, ufology, paranormal, cryptozoology, just all the weird, fun shit that you want to read about while the world burns around you so uh yeah feel free to check that out and and i would love to have you uh, yale has contributed he has an article in our latest issue and i would love to have you uh on to our show sometime in the near future so great we're big fans we're big fans well thank you so much and this has been the weird wide web uh reach out to us on instagram and youtube suggest what you want us to dive deep into and Thanks for joining us in this deep dive.